because I believe science might offer an answer to the curse of the Bambino. Why someone took so long to hire that guy is beyond me. Anybody who's not tearing their team down right now and rebuilding it using your model, they're dinosaurs. One of the great things about money is it, it buys a lot of things. One of which is the luxury to disregard what baseball likes, doesn't like, what baseball thinks, doesn't think. <laughs> it's a threatening, not just a way of doing business, but, it's, but in their minds, it's threatening the game. How can you not be romantic about baseball? All right, welcome to another Baseball Ops Podcast with Top V. I'm your host, Brent Porcio, and today we're going to be interviewing a doctor of physical therapy, Josh Mazzali. Um, I, I destroy his name in the interview coming up. Um, just like everybody else's name I destroy. This is a fun interview. Go into injury prevention. I, you know, I ran across Josh on Twitter. Really liked what he was doing. He was looking at biomechanics from the, the anatomy, like you know, basically uh, if he saw some dysfunction in the body, more than likely this was leading to biomechanical issues and ultimately leading to injury. And I think this is what we need more in baseball, get away from the conventional wisdom. We need more movement specialists like Josh who can understand how the anatomy dysfunction is affecting the biomechanics and ultimately over time leading to injury. And that's what he does. And, of course, that's what we do here at Top Velocity. So I just wanted to put our two heads together and see uh, some things we could share and if we had any um, things that we could learn from each other. And we did. Uh, it was It was a good interview. I think you're going to enjoy it. I even got to ask him about one of my client's issues, which he helped me with. And I think it's great for you. You're going to learn about posture. You're going to learn about how important function in all your joints is, stability in all your joints is to overall performance and health. And how if you aren't understanding your body, um, and if you're planning to play this game for a long time, and you're not trying to understand your body, ultimately it's going to be your weakest link, and it will take you down. I think that's what I've why I've been able to help um, a lot of guys, specifically at the major league level, pretty excited um, news coming out uh, this week on one of our guys uh, being called up to the bigs who came to us seriously, seriously injured, and we got him back to the bigs. It's our second guy that we've taken from pretty much out of retirement or at the end of their careers and brought him back to the big leagues. We're pretty excited, and we have another one in the works as well. Um, but it all goes into this approach and this understanding of injury prevention in the body and how it affects biomechanics. So I want you to uh, enjoy this and learn from it, and um, I hope it helps and hope it brings a lot of value to you. Uh, to you. So here we go. All right, Brent Porcio, excited. Uh, it's going to be a great podcast today. Uh, going to be talking injury prevention, which is probably one of my favorite subjects we have with us, Joshua. Mazzalini, I'm, I'm going to kill it. How do I say your last name, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> Mazzali. Not, not bad, though. Not bad. Mazzali. Uh, yeah, my, mine's tough, too. So you're a DPT, OCS, mm-hmm. and you have a CSCS certification. So I know yeah. DPT is a doctorate of physical therapy. What is it? What's the OCS again? Is that occupational or? Uh, orthopedic clinical or- specialist. Okay, orthopedic clinical specialist. And then the CSCS is the certified or the highly prestigious certified uh, certified strength and conditioning specialist um, yes. certification so uh, I mean a little bit more into your background it said uh, you went on to be a physical therapist for a semi-professional hockey team in Las Vegas uh, especially lies in movement analysis and a hands-on approach to rehabilitating any sports and orthopedic injury and um, did I miss anything so far 
Uh, no, that's that's good. Cool. Well, I appreciate you doing this. Thanks for coming on. Of course. Uh, happy to be on. So really intrigued. Um, kind of tell us why your practice is in L.A. I notice a lot of your analysis have been on the Dodgers. Um, obviously, you're a, a fan of L.A. Tell me about why you're there. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually started out my career in, in Las Vegas. So uh, my wife got into school there and uh, I got lucky because uh, I got an opportunity to work with that uh, the semi-professional hockey team, which was a great experience right out of the bat, right when I got out of school. Um, and, uh, you know, my I was born in L.A., so kind of made my way back. actually took a quick detour through Dallas, uh, but finally made my back my way back to Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, I did, did a little bit, little stuff in, uh, in Los Angeles as well. I uh, worked with a high school basketball team. And uh, now I kind of work with athletes just kind of, through, you know, throughout the, you know, there's the, the Valley in Los Angeles City. So I just kind of covering the whole Los Angeles area. And, uh, yeah, I'm a big Dodger fan, big Laker fan, uh, big Charger fan, even before they moved to L.A. And, uh, you know, I, I originally started off, uh, doing movement analysis on every on every single player, and I realized that uh, stick to LA for now, and then we'll we'll, mm-hmm. we'll move on later. Where exactly in LA are you? So I've uh, actually have two uh, clinic locations: one in the San Fernando Valley in North Hollywood, and one in Los Angeles proper. Awesome. My my wife's from Long Beach or the Long Beach area, so I'm I'm actually in LA all the time. So oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, Long Beach, my aunt and uncle there. It's a nice place. Yeah. Uh, we have She has family down in Tustin. I love Tustin as well. Yeah. I used to live in Laguna Beach. That was like my little <clears throat> paradise for a little while. I actually was like right off the beach when I was playing ball. I loved it. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful there. Yeah. God. Yeah, lucky, lucky. Yeah, it was great. So let's go into this. So in March 25, 2018, you you put out some injury risk information on Corey Seager, which is really intriguing because we just heard that he has got Tommy John surgery. Yeah. And I want to go into all this. So what made you want to write about Corey Seager, Seager about his injury risks? Yeah. I mean, I know he, he had a, uh, he had a injury before he had some elbow problems and you know, it's funny cause he, he kind of has, this, has the injuries of a pitcher, you know? So you kind of start to, you kind of, uh, analyze his mechanics almost as as if he'd be a pitcher, and kind of some of the same problems that, that a pitcher has. You know, not not enough uh, not enough mobility through certain areas and excessive strain through the elbow. And you know, I think it's, it's something that hopefully you know could I don't know how severe it was. You know, only only the doctors know, but something that probably could have at least uh, been possibly taken care of before. And now. Uh, it seems like he's yeah he's, he's on his way to surgery now, so that's a that's a shame. Yeah. So you us. said limit on, on the article. You said limited right thoracic mobility and the transverse plane, compensated with frontal plane uh, motion, right hip mobility insufficiency, left hip weakness with pelvis instability, uh, left pelvis rotation with full weight on left leg, tight hip flexors worse on the right. And then right trunk lean, C right hip mobility. So, are you assessing this out of um, just plain video? Yeah. So, uh, I'm not the the biggest techie guy. You probably can tell when when I first came on the video that I'm not uh, the best of this stuff. But one of the greatest things I've 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 uh, discovered is that YouTube has the ability to to play back in slow mo. 
So once I, I found that out, I uh, just you know started to watch any video I can get my hands on. It's, it's kind of why it's, it's hard to analyze certain players because you know there's certain players that get a, a ton of video on them. There's interviews on them. There's they take videos of themselves. They take um, you know the best the best way I can analyze somebody is actually you know when they're practicing. They're you know they're running a re they're running before they they, they warm up, uh, stretching. So you can really see a lot of those deficits there. Um, but you know. Game, game analysis as well, you know, you kind of put pieces together, you know, from, from all different aspects. So when you start looking at a player or a person or a, uh, a patient, where do you go first? Do you typically go f like ground up? Are you looking for skeletal position, like posture alignment? Like what do you, where do you start when you assess? So I, I, I think the best way is systematically is, is to go from micro to macro. So I, I, there's, there's, I would say I kind of start off in the in first in three different planes, right? We we're all we're three dimensional characters and you know, human beings, and we move in three different planes. So um, I take I really go joint by joint. I don't necessarily start from um, ankle and ground up. It just I you know it, it kind of I, I, I first watch them move a little bit, and then wherever I see the biggest problems, I start there. Um, you know, just kind of get a general assessment. Then I start to zero in. You know, go to the ankle, go to the knee, go to the hip. And, and then just watch in, in, in each different plane and see where their limitations are. Right. And perfect. And let's just kind of go through the list. So when, when you said limited right thoracic mobility, what do you mean by right thoracic mobility in the transverse So, uh, so let's see. Um, he is, he throws, I'm actually, <laughs> I'm reviewing my Yeah, me, my that's what I do right too. Now. I'll pull it back up. He, he, th he throws left, right? Um, look back at good this. question. You just threw me off. I haven't checked. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, usually uh, one one. Sometimes I, I the way I write things is a little, is a little confusing because so. Uh, yeah, he throws. I, no, I, he throws right. He throws right. Okay. Okay. So he would need um, he would need left rotation. He would need uh, he need he need in order to to make that throw his. His whole trunk and especially his thoracic spine would need to be able to ro uh, rotate to the left for him to throw. Mm -hmm. If it's stuck, usually in its opposite side tightness that causes limitations. Um, so that's what, hence the mobility versus sometimes I talk about it in actual rotation or I talk about it in movement. And uh, if he can't make, if he can't rotate through the thoracic spine, he, you know, that's when things really start to break down. The scapula starts to uh, move out or abduct a little bit too much. You lose scapular mobility, um, uh, sorry, stability actually. And when you don't have st scapular stability, it's gonna, it's you're gonna have to put excessive strain somewhere else because the scapula, you're not moving off a off a stable scapula. You know, the scapula is almost like the the core of the upper body. So if you don't have good stability there, you're 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 asking for trouble. Well, and and I usually relate the thoracic or the uh, scapular stability to really the hip mobility and stability. Would would you look for that? in the hips as well yeah i mean so it, it all travels up you know it's the you know, most people don't have thoracic thoracic problems and and have perfect hips you know the hip is the hip is the and that's probably sometime you know that that's kind of where you really want to look the hip yeah. you know is, is really we, we call it kind of part of the core 
if your hips are off, then your low back is going to have some problems. If your low back is, has some problems, your thoracic spine. I mean, it just goes up, up and down. Yeah, right. I look up. The, I, I believe in the kinetic chain approach, and yeah. I believe like if if one joint is immobile or or restricted, then the other joints are going to overcompensate for it. Definitely. So Definitely. like if if you have really tight hips, you're going to try to be really you're going to try to overcompensate in your thoracic spine, or as a throwing athlete, you're going to overcompensate in your shoulder and elbow joint. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I can see you were saying right hip insufficiencies uh, or mobility insufficiencies specifically look like in the, you're saying the hip flexors, which to me means a lot to arm health because if the hip can't flex, it, it, it really can't rotate that well. And if mm-hmm. the hip can't rotate well, then, then you're right. Then you're going to try to overload in thoracic. And if you have some immobility issues in thoracic or stability issues in thoracic, then your arm's going to, once again, it goes up the chain. Now your arm's trying to over, uh, overload or typically what happens is it can't go. It doesn't really have time. I talk about hip to shoulder separation, meaning, uh, the goal is like we were saying, if the hips can rotate and the, and the thoracic can delay, then what you're actually doing is you're giving the arm time to get up and go through a, a path, like go through the mm-hmm. complete path. And if, you, mm-hmm. if you're limited in hip rotation and you're limited in thoracic, now your arm doesn't have that time and it's being dragged or what we call hyperangulated through. And that's typically when the torques are, are just shoot exploding in the arm. So would you, would you say that's probably what's going on similar to what, what Seeger dealt with, probably with the TJ issue? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I'm not sure if this is how this is how you. Uh, when I, I've watched some of your videos and, oh, um, cool. I, you know, <laughs> and I've seen uh, that, that that you know having that having that separation. And I think, I mean, obviously, performance-wise, that's going to affect it because it, it seems like it's almost. Uh, I don't want to call it plyometrics, but you get that that you know that that when you get that separation, you get stretch between the two joints and that mm-hmm. creates enough tension so that it's almost like a slingshot and that gives you a lot of power. Um, but uh, if you're, it, it, you know, mecha- mechanically with your, with your hips is, uh, for injury prevention, uh, yeah, definitely, you know, so it, it, that connective chain problem is, is, is pretty huge. And if you can't, you're not moving through that hip, you're, you, you, you might, depending on how you move, depending on how you compensate, it can, you know, you excessively move uh, through your lumbar spine or, you know, you, you, maybe it's not even you, 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 uh, you, you rotate, maybe you start to side bend, you start actually to change your movements, you know, so it, it, the compensation is, is uh, it's, very, it's very variable. And that's why you have to really kind of zone in. And that's why the, the treatment program is, is really important. So not just kind of doing the same stuff, you got to zone in on what they're doing so you can fix it. Yeah, and which I want to dive into at the end. So I want to let's look at um, the next one, you talked about Jansen, um, mm-hmm. and talked about coming off of injury and how it doesn't look like he's made a correction, uh, with his hamstring problem. Um, I used to, I used to cramp up. I was a pitcher. I used to cramp up in that right hamstring from driving pretty hard. And he's a really big driver. Um, I think it's when you really go into that hip rotation, your glute has to fire and your hamstrings are firing, firing to really kind of help stabilize that hip. Do you feel like maybe that was what was related to, to, to his drive and hip rotation that caused that hamstring injury? Or do you think it's something else? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you hit it on the head. Um, I, I think when it comes to hamstring, there's, I think there's usually a few different problems. There's there's, you know, you, you have a lack of stability, like you talked about with the glute. That's probably the biggest one that I see. 
Um, an interesting one that I think a lot of people don't look into is actually um, joint mobility. So um, in order to, in order for your femur to uh, extend, for it to pull back, if it doesn't pull back, the hamstring just has to work that much harder. And it's just, it's yanking, it's yanking, and it's really just, you know, it's, you're, 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 it's working way harder than it has to. And then it, it you know, cramps up, it strains, and if you don't fix the underlying problem, you don't get that hip mobility, or if it's, if it's uh, um, uh, stability, you know, if the glutes aren't firing and, and your hip is just kind of, you see any pelvic drop or excessive pelvic rotation that shouldn't be there, then the hamstring has to work again, same thing, that much harder. And uh, the hamstrings, because of the location to the hip, you know, it's not really supposed to be a stabilizer, it's supposed to be that driver, it's supposed to be, you know, when you're, when you're sprinting, it's supposed to be that power muscle, but, you know, it can become that, that stabilizer, which is, you know, a problem. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. A lot of guys that don't have a lot of, um, they're not big back leg drivers like Jansen, they're more big front leg extenders. They typically have hamstring problems, but it's usually pulling. Well, I, I don't know. Did, he, he had tightness, which is probably just, I, I feel like in the back hamstring and the driving hamstring, it, 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 that myofascia, I feel like, bunches up and it starts mm -hmm. nodding up. And then the front yeah. hamstring, it gets so stretched out, it starts pulling and a lot of guys, like I talked to uh, Tyson Ross last year, and he's a big front leg driver, and he was having a lot of hamstring issues, and I believe it's from the from from you know them extending that leg and over stretching that hamstring. Uh huh. Yeah, I could definitely do it. So, when with with the pelvis, as far as stability, like so, if you have someone who comes in and they're in a posterior pelvic tilt, and mm -hmm. you know they have the lengthened hamstring. And they probably have hamstring pulls. Um, they also probably have a very tight hip flexor. Uh, what mm -hmm. what kind of what, what would you recommend? Like, what, what's typically your procedure in, in improving that? That's a really a postural issue. How how would you go at it? Yeah, um, I mean, and, and that that's I think that's uh, my my practice is geared towards those imbalances. You know, you you if one side's too, uh, you have lengthened muscles, you have, and another side you have shortened muscles that pull your 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 joints in, in different positions. So, in, you know, in your case, uh, if it's, you're in a posterior pelvic tilt, your 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 hamstring is in default in a shortened position. So it's kind of like a um, it's a <clears throat> it's a vicious cycle because your hamstring's tight, pulls you into that posterior pelvic tilt, and then it's in a shortened position, so it just gets tighter, and then so. Uh, you know, we start off with uh, usually, you know, you, you start to do some soft soft tissue work uh, just to kind of open up kind of you're talking about the myofascial restrictions uh, because, you know, if you if you just start to work on on, you know, maybe just trying to shorten the the the, the hip flexors that, you know, the, the more the anterior muscles just to get that 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 pelvis in, into more of a neutral position instead of a posterior pelvic position, um, your hamstring's going to fight you, you know, so. You you start you mobilize the hamstring a little bit. You start then you could start to work on tightening the hip flexor, um, you know the the anterior muscles. But most importantly is you have to retrain because if you if they they've been in this position for a long time and that's that's you kind of have to determine if this is a newer problem, this is an older problem. If it's an older problem, they might have these these bad movement patterns and you can you can stretch the hamstring and mobilize the hamstring all you want, but you know they're just used to they're used to being in that position and they'll just go right back to it. Yeah, I, I screwed up. I told you posterior. I meant anterior, but you, you, you went off posterior, which is what I oh. said. So, so in a, I always do that. So in an anterior, you're going to have the lengthening in the hamstring, and then you're going to have the shortening in the hip flexor, correct? Yes. 
Yes. So that, that's probably a more common one, wouldn't you say? Typically, more people have that. I, I feel like it's more linked to them sitting down a lot um, yes, and definitely. kind of reinforcing that posture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Would, um, for sure. It, it's definitely more common. The hip flexure, I'd say most people have inhibited glutes because they're lengthened. Inhibited glutes, um, you know, strained hamstrings and uh, tight and shortened hip flexures. That's probably the, the most common pattern that I see in the in clinic. And, and, you know, whatever we just said, reverse it, you know, you, you yeah, open right, those exactly. flexures, you mobilize them and, uh, you know, you, you start to get those glutes to fire so that you don't continue to anterior pelvic tilt. So, and, you know, I even going ahead and with Walker Buell, cause I, I broke, I think that's the one where we reached out or you, 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 you asked me about him and I'd actually broke him down as well. Yeah. I was, you were talking about this lower abdominal weakness with uh, forward pelvic sway. Is that kind of like what we're talking about with the anterior pelvic tilt? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like we talk about with, with, uh, with most things. There's certain, there's, there's certain weaknesses, certain, certain tightnesses. So the pelvis, if it starts to sway forward, you're, you're, it's, and I know this is a little controversial, what I'm about to say, uh, between the you know, lower abdominals, upper abdominals. I think there's a lot of people who say it's, you know, the rectus abdominis or, you know, it's all, it's all one muscle. Um, but it's not just even the rectus abdominis, it's the transverse abdominis, you know, the, the, the TVA, the, uh, you got, you got some, you get, get some obliques. There's a lot of layers of abdominals and those, those anterior structures, especially the lower portion of it are not holding really well. So that the, 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 uh, the pelvis just starts to migrate forward. The pelvis might, if you, you put, you put your pelvis in a, in a, in a, you know, again, in a, an anterior position, those hip flexors just kind of stay in that, that shortened position and, you know, they tighten up. So, so really so. the stability through the spine, because ultimately that's what the pelvis is doing. It's stabilizing the spine, right? Right. So if, if, if it's anteriorly tilted, the, the stability is coming through the hip flexor or the, uh, rectus femoris, right? Or the, no, it'd be like this. I mean, the psoas and all those things are probably kicked on, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then the, the, the posterior support is the hamstring. So to, to stabilize mm-hmm. the hips, to stabilize the spine, it's, it's really the, the hip flexor and the hamstring, right? Hip flexor, hamstring. Um, you know, if you, if you, if you want to move the, there's a, it's called the, there's actually like a, there's a syndrome called the lower cross syndrome, which is usually um, you know, there's, uh, tight, tight hip flexors, tight lower back, uh, weak abdominals and weak glutes. So it's like, you get the kind of, yeah. And the reason the glutes and the abdominals are weak, it's because they don't have to stabilize anymore because those other muscles are stabilizing. Correct. Exactly. And, it, and it's, it's, I would say it's inappropriate for, for, you know, some, some muscles are stabilizers, some muscles are movers. And if, if movers become stabilizers, then we're, we're in trouble. In trouble. So when you're in a position of an anterior position and you have that tight hip flexor, which to me is, is a big problem for baseball players because it's going to kill hip rotation because your mm-hmm. hip can't really rotate and, you know, that femur can't extend and internally rotate if that, that hip flexor is really tight. So mm-hmm. it, just stretching it isn't going to really – I mean, it, it'll, reply, it'll, it'll give some relief, but we have to ultimately rebuild the posture – and get the glutes and the and the the uh, the abs and the obliques to start to stabilize uh, the hips again. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know that position, kind of like what you were just saying, when that when that femur is just kind of jammed forward, you have that pelvic tilt, that pelvic sway forward, and the the femur goes along with it. The femur jams to the front of the the the, the socket, and you know you see you start to see other problems. You start to see labral issues. 
Uh, it's just, uh, you know, you, you, you take those guys with uh, the pelvic sway or the pelvic tilt and you, you try to flex, you try to have them move their hip, they'll, they'll, they'll start to feel some pinching in their hip. And, and it's, and, you know, you start to think, oh, let me just mobilize, let me mobilize the hip, which you need to do. But if that, if that hip stays in that forward position and it's in that, that pelvis stays in that, that anterior uh, sway or the, the, uh, the tilt, then the the you're just kind of put it pushing the 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 femur right back in that position. It's just going to tighten up again. You right. gotta, so, you, you definitely so got to rebuild it, it. So, is it smart to then go into like more glute loading and and core loading to re to rebuild? Or, or I mean, would that do it? Would that help reestablish the posture because those muscles are basically being more are forcing to be more active or stronger? Or is I mean, what or what's the way? Because I I feel like if you just start stretching, that can kind of work, but it doesn't really mm-hmm. fix the underlying problem of the inactivity of the glute in the in the core. Like, what's a really good approach to that posture and fixing it? So I think I think we can you know we can let's let's you know talk about the stretching part. If you're stretched, if you start to stretch the hip flexors in in an anterior uh, in an anterior position, if the pelvis is swayed forward or it's anterior publicly tilted. You're stretching. You're teaching the pelvis to stay in that position. You're stretching the muscles, which is nice. But again, you're you're it's it's some of that reteaching of where the pelvis should be. So it's maybe even stretching those hip flexors in in a posterior position. Um, and then once that post in the the pelvis is able to go back into that posterior position, then the glutes have a little bit more of a mechanical advantage. So the glutes work in in certain ranges of motion, and it works in you know in in. There's that muscle length, um, you know, uh, efficiency. You know, you don't want a muscle too short. You don't want a muscle too long because they don't work too well. So you got to put the pelvis in the position for those glutes to, you know, have have their mechanical advantage. And the and the glute does, you know, pull back the the um, the, the femur in the socket. So, you know, getting those glutes getting those glutes to fire and stretching those hip flexors in a more in a in a, in a better position of the pelvis, you know, you're more likely to be uh, successful than just stretching. You know. You know, I've had success with it where I go into the spine and I try because what happens when you're in that anterior pelvic tilt, your 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 spinal curve gets it it gets bigger, right? It gets more what is mm-hmm. it? Kyphotic, is that the word? I don't know, one of them. And yeah. you get you get a big thoracic sway. So mm-hmm. I've had success in trying to reestablish the cervical curve, like mm-hmm. doing some distraction a little bit from there. Yeah. And then going into uh we have these little vibrating you know, units, you just stand on it, creates that little vibration through your legs mm-hmm. and, and, and getting on that and then trying to just turn your glutes on by holding that mm-hmm. really erect spinal position. I, I felt the vibration helps because any muscles that are really overactive start to relax because they get fatigued from the quick vibration. And then mm-hmm. it gives you an opportunity to get your glutes on. And, and at the same time too, your, your, your spine is working to be more erect. And I feel like that's, that's the best way I've had with trying to correct that posture. Have you, have you tried anything going through the spine like that? Yeah. I mean, I, I actually, I, I love that idea. I haven't tried that, but I like, I like that approach because you're, what you're doing is you're, you're, you're putting things into proper position and training in proper position. That's that, I mean, that's always going to be successful. You know, if you're, you're, you're taking like a top down approach, you know, some people take a, yeah. they get into the feet and they, they do some stuff with the feet. I think you kind of have to do both. You know, I think, I think, well, you know, also depending on where, where their, 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 you know, their, their issue stems from, you know, if they're, if there's a lot of if there's a lot of neck there's some neck stuff and there's a lot of maybe adhesions and 
you know, I, I think that that vibrator machine also sounds pretty cool. You know, I, I think it can maybe even break up some 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 of those restrictions, if, especially if you're putting putting the body in the proper position. So you get a, maybe some dual action there. I think because I think the central nervous system is a big. I mean, it's it's like I'm a I'm a math. I mean, I'm a computer guy. There's a lot of programming in the body that's, you know, in the central nervous system that's really setting your habits. You know, it's like okay, well. It, it's like your central nervous system says, okay, if this is going to be your posture. Then I've got to tell all these muscles to, to activate and do this. So I feel like when you're trying to change things, not only do you have to kind of mold it differently, but then you have to almost retrain the central nervous system to accept that new posture. And then that's why I feel like that vibration therapy helps because it almost like forces the central nervous system to rewire everything, you know? Yeah, exactly right. I mean that that's I mean that that sets everything. You know, the retraining the central nervous system, that's that's where you're going to get long-lasting effects. You can get a lot of people they they focus on the mobility, the strengthening, and you know, that that could be successful. They're going to get some they're they're going to get some changes, but it's the long-lasting changes. If they don't if they don't if they don't know how to how to stay in that posture, they're just going to, you know, especially when when times get tough, when they, when the resistance increases, especially at the end of games, when they start to fatigue and they start to, you know, revert back to bad habits, you know, they're, they're, it's, you're not going to get, you're going to, you're going to, you know, be, uh, have some likelihood for, for some injury. Would you, would you say, is that an approach when you tell guys to, when they're preparing for a, a game or even a workout to go through some type of pre, you know, exercise, warm up to where they're, it's just establishing a good posture for the day. Do you do anything like that? You know, um, it, I think that's. Uh, I think it, that's a, It's 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 uh, it's something that you want to make sure that you. It's 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 all about repetition. I would say, right? It's it's because it is. It's a central nervous system. So you're you're gonna you're gonna drill it into them, and I think you're gonna consistently even even during the game. You're gonna kind of you're gonna kind of talk about it, be like, hey, listen, this is what you're doing. Make make that correction. You know. I think it's I think it's nice when you know in, in, in football when they when they get halftime they get to they get they get they get to make all those corrections. I guess in baseball you can you can do that in the dugout, but yeah, in between, you know, you can start, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, you I think I think the more the more practice you have, the more you 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 drill it in, and I, I think the more effective it's gonna it's gonna last. Things are gonna are gonna hold a little bit better. All right, so I wanted to bring this up last. I want you to help me with one of my. Um, I got a guy who's close to, to get into the bigs right now. We've had a lot of success with him. I don't want to say his name because we're talking injury and it doesn't really do well with teams. So <laughs> unfortunately, I'm not going to say his name. But no maybe problem. you can help me with his case. So okay. he came to me and he had, um, uh, he had a – or was in a car accident and his sacrum, mm -hmm. when he sits, pops. It, it, I guess it's in that – anterior pelvic tilt it pops up really hard and we did an x-ray where his i think his l5 and his, his is it s1 was it the, it, the sacrum was literally trying to push uh, out of alignment or you know the disc was trying to literally push push out of um uh the spine in mm -hmm. so it, it created a lot of pain specifically when he would squat he'd get to a low enough depth where that sacrum would kick up and it was just like a, a knife hitting his back because it was pushing on that spinal cord uh -huh. So we, I got him with, I have a back specialist guy. He's really good. And, and he, we did a great job through wobble chairs. We, we do a lot of this stuff from the Pettibon Institute. I don't know if you know about them. 
and it, it really worked. His all his back problems went away. We rebuilt his legs, and the guys all his ball speed had come back because he was he was having velocity issues. But now he's at a place where his, his velocity is dropping just a little bit, but it's a left hip issue right now. And I think because it's all mm-hmm. connected to the sacrum, where his, his initial issue was. And I, he, what he's getting is sciatic pain down the, le- the landing leg. Uh-huh. And I know it's – I'm thinking it's probably linked to the piriformis being knotted up. Uh, one of his mm-hmm. um, uh, chiropractors he's going to and saying is that whole joint is just locked down. And, mm-hmm. and what's happening is he's hitting front foot and he can't create good stability and it's, and it's starting to hurt his velocity. What do you think's going on? Have I given you enough information? And, and, and would you have and any he's a right idea of a fix? He's a right-handed thrower? Right-handed thrower, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to ask you some questions as we go along. I'll keep going, so it's, yeah. It's, it's interesting because, you know, first we, you talk about the squats, right? So yeah. um, he's having a lot of pain through the squats. There's no reason why you should have, you know, back pain with with squats the only reason why you would have that that have that back pain is if if the hips aren't if you're not able to flex through your hips those hips don't bend um and you have to you know you look at the hip as a a direct problem but then you have to start to look at why that hip 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 is a problem you might even look at the ankle might even look at the knee a little bit um but if they can't if they can't bend through that hip imagine what's going to happen once they get to that, that that restricted point they go down in that squat position, at some point the hip just stops. You know, the hip doesn't move anymore. It's going to do something. It has to keep going. You want to keep. You want to keep going with that movement. Um, so you know that your this athlete, I'm sure, just he figures out a way, right? So maybe his pelvis starts to rotate. And this is why you kind of. You, I, I I think the approach always has to be you look in those three dimensions. You know, you want to look. Does the pelvis sway out a little to the left? And you, I see that a lot. There's you know, or, you know, it could even be something where they just start to put more, way more weight on that, on, on the right leg, you know, they, and, that, and they start to lose strength through that left leg because they just don't want to move through that left leg. Um, so really, mo- mo- uh, left hip mobility um, would, would probably be one of the things you, you, you want to look at. And, and that, that's going to fire up the piriformis as well. You know, the per- if, if, if certain muscles, <clears throat> if you can't bend through that hip, um, you're probably not going to have good, good glute activation performance is probably going to kick in a little bit a little bit heavy you know and then you you've got the press pressure so on you're that saying that you're saying his tight because he has tight hip flexor so you're saying his tight hip flexor on the left hip is effect is is ultimately creating too much lengthening or and it probably created the strain on on the on the back of the hip and in those like the piriformis in those is that kind of what was happening yeah, I, I, I'd say I would take an indirect. I, I would say indirectly the, the the like the piriformis could kick in because of the changes that he does maybe during those squats or just in yeah. general movement. Oh, but, because there's more of a shift there, so it created more of a loading to that that piriformis, and then it created maybe a strain. Exactly, exactly. And 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 one thing to think about that I think that I I've, I've been focusing on a lot recently is that if you don't have a a, a, a stable pelvis, right? Let's just say um, the guy on his stance leg, there's, there's, too, there's way too much rotation. It's, 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 it's unstable. You're going to have a tough time activating your strong muscles, your glutes. You know, you're going to have, you're going to have tough time because you, you need that stable pelvis for these muscles to work off of. And then sometimes you get these little, small, tiny muscles like the piriformis that try to help out. And, and then you already have a little bit of a disc bulge and 
and that's a that's a recipe for disaster. So how do we get it back? So wh- what's what what does the body need to release that? It needs obviously stability in those prime movers, right? Yeah. So I, I think you 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 always have to start off at the the origin, you know, because you jump if you jump straight to the 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 glutes, I think you you'll be successful. Um, but you have to figure out why the glutes are off. I think that's the I think that's the critical component because if you don't figure out that, then although you'll get more stability by training the glutes, but you, the glutes will at some point turn off again. That's why most of most baseball injuries are, are you know are chronic hamstring. They fix it, they do ultrasound, they do modalities, and then it comes right back. Um, so if you can get fit, fit, open up that restricted hip, retrain to move through that hip and stop shifting through the pelvis and causing some pelvic instability, then get those glutes to fire off of, off a stable pelvis. That's that's kind of the long term approach, and you can really get some long term success with that. How long does it take when you have like a a strain, maybe piriformis? Um, and how long does it take to, to maybe to remedy that? You know, you know what's interesting is that I think I think the current the current treatment process takes way longer than it should. Yeah. Um, the, the great thing and the love thing, the, the best thing that I love about athletes is they're willing to work, right? So, in the end of the day, it's I don't think it's I don't think it's a, it's a weeks, it's a months thing. It's it's usually more how much time you put into rehabbing the injury. So if you have you have and you have your athlete come in, works with you, trains with you, and then goes home, does does you know follows up with the stuff you give him, and is just really really intense about it. You know, as long as he's you know, there is such a thing as overdoing it. I don't see too many people overdo things, but they usually underdo it. Um, but if they're if they're if they're putting in the work, you know, it could be it could be a pretty quick process. It could be a few weeks. You know, it could be, I mean, at least to get you know, at least to get the pain to go away, to get that stability it could take a little bit of time because you know, you know that that CSCS comes into handy once in a while. When I yeah. le- you know I learned that that real strength takes like four to six weeks, uh, working three to five times a week, and you really you really gotta, you know, that that might take a little bit longer. You get that neuromuscular strength first, and then you get the you get the hypertrophy and the real strength afterwards. So, um, I think to get that pain to go away, to start increasing velocity, could be pretty quick now. Yeah. Well, good. So, tell them more about you. We'll end it here. So, you, what kind of um, athletes do you work with, and what do you do typically with them, or what kind of services can you offer them? Um, yeah. So, I, I, you know, right now I do. Um, you know, it's kind of it's kind of a what you need approach. You know, um, there's certain athletes that come in here. They work with they work with a trainer and um, they work with a coach, and they just want to know what's wrong with them. So I'm happy. You know, they usually take an hour or two and just get figure out every every small little thing. You know, because it, it it can take a while. There's a lot. There's every joint. There's 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 finding out uh, different planes. Then there's looking connections between each dysfunction and trying to figure out you know putting the pieces. To, Putting the pieces together. Um, once you got that, once you know what's wrong with you, I don't think it's 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 too hard. It's just you know, include myself. You know, it's it's very easy to miss miss something. In, in the clinical setting, we usually have an hour to work with patients. Um, you know, some, but when I do that, when I do an injury analysis, and when I do uh, when I work with athletes that are really just working to get back into, I, I get to spend more time with them. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a, I get to really zone in on every little thing that's wrong with him because it's sometimes it's something that you don't even think it is. And, and uh, you know, if someone's not getting better after a few weeks, I, I have to reassess because I, I miss something. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll search throughout the body and we'll find it. 
Well, cool. So how can they find you? You said you have two offices, but also how can they find you online? Um, you can, I, I've been a little bit more active on Twitter just, just recently at, uh, you know, I'm starting to get my, my tech chops and trying to learn, learn, learn the ropes of all this. Um, but you can look at, uh, am at jam sports PT. You can look at my website, jamsportsandspine.com. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on, uh, I guess I just started to do Instagram a little bit. So you'll you, you start to see more of me little by little. Well, good, man. And I really enjoy you. You're a good personality, nice guy. And uh, it sounds like you really do, you know what you're doing. And I really like your approach here with these athletes. Um, do you ever take it into biomechanics? I mean, you, you're assessing a lot from your physical therapy approach, but do you go into biomechanics, like helping them understand, say, their pitching delivery or their specific movements? Yeah, I mean, the, it, a lot of this happens in clinic. I, lo I love to do it. I love to do it actually. Uh, you know, in, in the on the field setting type of thing. Um, but, uh, you know, they, we that that's, you know, when people come in here, that's that that the third part of that approach, we mobilize strengthen, but then we we start to work on their mechanics. So if it's the average Joe, you know, we're going to work on the mechanics of sitting at a desk. Yeah, right. If they're an if they're a pitcher, we're going to we're going to start to work on their mechanics. Once we've, you know, kind of put the put the pieces back, you know, uh, together, then we're going to start to work on their pitching mechanics. And, and that, that's my favorite part, actually, you know. Yeah, it is. It's fun. That's what I love to do. So, I mean, I think that's the difference between probably you and I is that you take a more, um, uh, you know, anatomy uh, approach and I take a more biomechanical approach and then I try to figure out the anatomy. <laughs> I don't know. Do you, yeah. do you think you can do it both ways or, or, or what do you think is the best, the better approach? I mean, so you're, you, you know, I think the way, the way you're doing it, you're going to get your, your performance Sadly to say, I don't get to work on performance as much as I'd like to. You know, yeah. I, I'm really, I'm really working on in, injury prevention and and fixing, fi you know, put, fixing things up a little bit. Um, I love to get into performance, and honestly, I watch your videos, so you know, I think I'll, I'll keep getting better at well, that. Well, good, you know, and throw me comments, man. I, I really would, I, I respect your opinion. I'd appreciate it if you could uh, help me yeah, learn. Totally. You know, tell me what you think it is in the body, because that's tell you the truth. That's why I wanted to interview you. I'm really fascinated about the body, and you have a good understanding about it. And I really wanted to kind of you know, pick your brain on it. And, and, and it was awesome, man. This is, this was great. Um, I think we could, we could, we could work together. So yeah, if you see anything, give me a comment, say, you, you know, tell me where you, what you think's going on or give me your opinion. I, I'd appreciate it. For sure. You'll, you'll be hearing, hearing a lot from me for sure. Okay. Well, Josh, I appreciate it, man. Get back to work. I know you got a busy day. For <laughs> comments, <so. laughs> Thanks for having me on, Brent. I appreciate it. All right. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I learned a lot from Dr. Josh. Um, learned a lot about hips, hips being very important to overall posture and health of an athlete. So work on your hips, guys. You know, we have a mobility program, topvelocity.net slash MOB. Um, it's also a big part of our training when you come down 3X Velocity Camps, 2X Camps, position players as well. We really emphasize how your joint mobility works, and the hips are a big piece. You know, I want full mobility in all uh, planes of, of hip movements. It's critical and it's something that should be in your training and it should be uh, something that you're assessing and making sure is getting better and you definitely don't have any deficiencies, uh, any uh, um, instability problems because it's, it could lead to an injury in the hips and then it could work up the chain and start to affect your arm, which we know is not a good place to be if we want to be, if we want to have a long, healthy career in baseball. So I hope this helped. Um, hopefully we'll have a lot more guests coming on. If you have any suggestions, please post them here in the comments. Let us know and uh, 
We'll see you on the flip side.